يا ربي لك الحمد حتى ترضى ولك الحمد إذا ما رضيت ولك الحمد بعد الرضاء ولك الحمد أبدا 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 والحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله والحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ به من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا ثم أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار يقول الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وإذ ندقنا الجبل فوقهم كأنه ظله وظنوا أنه واقع بهم خذوا ما آتيناكم بقوة واذكروا ما فيه لعلكم تتقون فبشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله أمين يا رب العالمين All of you have been reminded multiple times that the month of Ramadan is approaching. And we can't take enough precaution to take most advantage of this month. It is probably a tragedy in all of our lives that we pass by Ramadan year after year and we look back and we say, I could have done more. And so it's only appropriate that we take this opportunity and I take this opportunity for myself to remind myself and all of you of one of the greatest obstacles that comes before a person, a Muslim, and taking full advantage of this month of forgiveness, this month of mercy, this month of blessings, this month of starting your life fresh, of a new beginning. And so that obstacle that lies before us, and this month, that is a personal obstacle, is the obstacle of ghafla. And this term ghafla, commonly translated as heedlessness, is something a little bit more. It's the attitude of doing something without realizing what you're doing. Not really thinking about what you're involved in. Not really thinking or caring about what, how your time is spent, or what comes out of your mouth, or what actions you perform, or how your actions impact other people, or how they even impact your own self, your own personality. This sickness is the sickness of ghafla. And you know, if you reflect, and I reflect on my own life, we will find that sometimes we're making salah, but we're not really making salah. We're standing in front of Allah and reciting Qur'an, and we have no idea what we're doing. Our mind is somewhere else. We are physically in prayer, but in our hearts we are ghafil. We're completely heedless. And so it happens that we come in the month of Ramadan and we're fasting. Yet we're not conscious of the fact that we're fasting. We're feeling hungry and we're feeling thirsty, but at the same time we're in a state of ghafla. And this ghafla that Allah Azza wa mentions is something in the hearts of people. 
The Messenger is told وسلم, in this ayah, talking about the disbelievers. The Messenger was warned not to follow them or to listen to them or not to pay any attention to them. But instead of Allah saying, وَلَا تُطِعِ الْمُكَذِّبِينَ like He says in another place, or instead of saying, وَلَا تُطِعِ الْكَافِرِينَ or وَلَا تُطِعِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ He doesn't say don't follow the kafirin or the mushrikeen, He uses a specific term for these disbelievers. And He says, وَلَا تُطِعْ مَنْ أَغْفَلَّا قَلْبَهُ عَنْ ذِكْرِنَا وَاتَّبَعَ هَوَاهُ وَكَانَ أَمْرُهُ فُرُطًا Don't follow the one whose heart we have made empty or void or made it neglect the remembrance of Allah, our, our remembrance. And He follows His own vain, pathetic, empty desires. So this is the state of, uh, it's a very sad state because this is the state really of a disbeliever. But sometimes this tragedy occurs to a believer. That sometimes the believer becomes ghafil. And you know it's not permanent. We go in and out of ghafla. You're in the Jum'ah, I'm engaged in the act of reminding you and myself, so perhaps we can snap out of our ghafla. Sometimes somebody gives you advice, or you hear an ayah of Qur'an, or you hear somebody give a talk that touches your heart, and you snap out of ghafla. And minutes after the Jum'ah prayer, when we're in our cars and we're walking out of here, we walk, slip right back into the state of ghafla. So then how do we prevent this state from overpowering us? It's inevitable, it will come upon us once in a while, or really as, as part of our day. But how do we consciously attack this state? How do we consciously appreciate how to overcome ghafla? And instead of being people of ghafla, we become people of dhikr, and dhakirun. So Allah speaks about a people that also believed, that also had a book, that also had a messenger that also claimed to be in the state of submission to Allah. But they were in total ghafla all the time. And I told you, where does ghafla rest? Where does this disease rest? It rests inside the heart. And Allah says about these people, ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ Your hearts became hard after that. Meaning when the hearts are hard, they're full of heedlessness. They're full of neglect. They're not concerned with the remembrance of Allah. And so in order to take these people that are basically sleeping. They're walking around, but they're sleeping. They don't realize what they have in terms of Islam. To wake them up, Allah Azza wa reminds us what He does. And this passage that I want to share with you from Surah Al-A'raf is dedicated to this disease of ghafla. The entire passage deals with ghafla. So Allah Azza wa says, وَإِذْ نَتَقْنَ الْجَبَلَ فَلْقَهُمْ كَأَنَّهُ ظُلَّةِ So Bani Israel, Allah Azza wa says, when we took the mountain, He raised the mountain above them and shook it. Like it was a canopy above them, like an umbrella above them. Now imagine, if you were not concerned about the halal and the haram, you were not concerned about remembering Allah, you lived your life sort of nonchalant, and then Allah Azza wa decides to raise a mountain above your head, and shake it above your head, would this be a good reminder to wake up? And to snap out of your ghafla? Absolutely. I mean, Allah Azza wa does this to us in more subtle ways. He did this to them in a very profound way. But if you're in a plane and there's turbulence, you stop listening to your MP3 song and you pull over and you know you stop yourself and you say, Allahu la ilaha illallah wa al-hayyum Whatever Qur'an you know, you start memorizing. Right? Because in states of emergency, the first one we turn to is Allah Azza wa And this is so much so that even the kafir does this. The kafir sees a flood coming and says, Oh my God! <laughs> you know? So this, these states in which Allah scares us, or Allah brings up, you know, upon us something that is really mind-boggling, or it's shocking, those are opportunities for us to become vacuum of Allah again, to remember Him again. So Allah raises this above them. And He shakes this mountain above them, and then He says to them, خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ بِقُوَّةِ 
Hold on to what we have granted you with great strength, with great might. Hold on to it, meaning the Torah. So then Allah Azza wa Jal by proxy is telling us that we are to hold on to His book. And that's appropriate for us to remind ourselves of because this is the month of Quran that's coming up. So now this mountain is raised above them and they are told to hold on to their book. And you know Allah Azza wa Jal will give this ummah opportunities. You would think a mountain hovering over your head is a bad thing. You would think this is a punishment from Allah. But if this was a means by which they snapped out of their ghafla and they became those who remember Allah again, then this is a gift from Allah. And so we look around us and we see the ummah in tragedy. We see many terrible things happen across the world. And those things, if we just look at them as tragedy, then that in itself is a bigger tragedy. Those events that are supposed to shock us, that are supposed to sadden us and overwhelm us, those are means by which Allah Azza wa Jal is giving us the opportunity to wake up. Just like Bani Israel was given the opportunity to wake up. But once you wake up, what do you do? You need a means by which you stay awake. Because just like I said, as soon as the khutbah is over, what happens to most of us, including myself? We leave here and we go back to sleep. So Allah Azza wa Jal, while the mountain is hovering above their head and they're awake now, He tells them the prescription of how to stay awake. How do you stay awake? Hold on to what we have given you with great strength. خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ بِقُوَّةِ وَاذْكُرُوا مَا فِيهِ And keep remembering what is in it. Mention what is in it. Mention what is in Qur'an. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So you may attain taqwa. And taqwa is not just fear. Taqwa is actually an awareness. It's an, it's an awareness. Taqwa is to be aware of your surroundings. To be aware and be cautious. To be careful. That is a muttaqi. Someone who's careful about what they say and what they do. Right? So now Allah gave us the prescription to remain on, uh, you know, remain away from heedlessness in this ayah. But Allah Azza wa Jal goes forward, and this was one general, specific example of Bani Israel. But this is a problem not just of Bani Israel, it's a problem of all of mankind. So Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَإِذْ أَخَذَ رَبُّكَ مِنْ بَنِي آدَمَ مِنْ ظُهُورِهِمْ ذُرِّيَتَهُمْ وَأَشْهَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ قَالُوا بَلَا شَهِدْنَا Allah Azza wa Jalla speaks in that, I'll, I'll briefly illustrate, when all of us were created in the form of Ruh, and Allah Azza wa Jalla pulled us out from the back of Adam alayhi salam, and He made us all witness over one thing. He made us all aware of one thing. Am I not your Lord? And all of us, Allah quotes us, قَالُوا They said, who's they? It is us, all human beings. They testified before Allah, بَلَى Of course, why not? Shahidna, We bear witness. And then Allah Azza wa Jal gave us a disclaimer. He made us say this, that He is our Lord, but then look at the profound statement He makes. He says, أَن تَقُولُوا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ I made you do this, so on the day of judgment, you don't have room to say on the day of resurrection, إِنَّا كُنَّا عَنْ هَذَا غَافِلِينَ Without a doubt, we had no idea. We were ghafil, we were unaware, we were heedless about this promise. You have no room to say this anymore because Allah already made you aware of it. SubhanAllah. Look at this, this, this declaration of the, the consciousness of the human being that Allah put inside the fitrah of the human being. Or Allah says you will make other excuses because of your ghafla. Instead of admitting your fault, when you come before me on the day of resurrection, He says, They're going to say our parents' fault. They were doing shirk before us. It's not our fault. They raised us as mushrikun. 
And we were the children after them. It's not our fault. It's our parents' fault. Don't blame us. Blame them. And then the people will say, أَفَتُهْلِكُنَا بِمَا فَعَلَ الْمُبْتِلُونَ Are you going to destroy us because of what these wrongdoing people did? These, these people who put us in a state of lying, in a state of falsehood? Are you going to punish us because of that? So people will make excuses. And since Allah quotes this excuse, what is He telling us directly? That these excuses are useless. The, the reason He made us testify, أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ قَالُوا بَلَا شَهِدْنَا Am I not your Lord? And we all testified. After that, these two excuses, that I had no idea, or that it's not my fault, it was my surroundings, it was my parents, it was my upbringing. That's the reason I messed up. Neither of these excuses are valid anymore. Allah invalidates both of them. But then He says, وَاتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ وَأَشْلِي كَذَلِكَ نُفَصِّلُوا الْآيَاتِ This is how we explain and clarify the miraculous signs, the ayat. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ So they may return. Meaning return from their state of heedlessness, return from their sleep, and they return to being awake again. To, being, to realizing their reality. Allah speaks of a person then after this, who is Muslim. First He speaks of Bani Israel. Then He speaks of all children of Adam. Then what are these two lessons for? For who? For the Muslims. The Qur'an is revealed, and who is reciting this Qur'an? Who is going back to this Qur'an for guidance? It's meant for mankind, but the people who consult it are the Muslims. So Allah speaks of the case of a Muslim. He speaks of the case of someone who claims to be in Islam. And not just a Muslim, a knowledgeable Muslim. Allah Azza wa Jalla speaks of a person who knows. You know, you might know, you might be the case himself, or herself, that you know something is wrong and you still do it. You, know, you might know people that know the halal from the haram. They know the right from wrong. They know what to look at and what not to look at. They know what to say and what not to say, and they still do it. And so Allah Azza wa Jalla speaks of this person and says, وَاتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ نَبَا أَلَّذِي آتَيْنَاهُ آيَاتِنَا Recite, read on to them, narrate on to them. The news of someone who we gave our ayat. Allah says we give this person our ayat, meaning this person had clear knowledge of what Allah Azza wa Jalla wants. فَانْسَلَخَ مِنْهَا and the wording is very profound. He says, this person, who Allah Himself gave him knowledge, he slithers out of those ayat. In silakh in Arabic is used when a snake sheds its skin. And Allah speaks of this, this person, who's covered in the knowledge of Islam. He's covered in the ayat of Allah, he knows this stuff. And what does he do? He slithers out of it. Despite knowing it, he makes his life different. فَانْسَلَخَ minha. And so Allah gives us this ugly image of a person whose shell is that of a knowledgeable person. Whose shell is that of a person who knows Islam or portrays himself as a Muslim. But that's just the skin that he's already shed. In reality, that's not his skin. That's not his reality. So he says, فَأَتْبَعَهُ الشَّيْطَانُ فَكَانَ مِنَ الْغَاوِينَ Now when he leaves the ayat of Allah, what has he left? He has left Allah as his wali. He has left Allah as his friend and guardian. So then when Allah leaves him too, then who's left to follow him? Who's going to be on his case, following him, trying to make him go the wrong way? It will be shaitan. So Allah says, when he slithers out of the ayat of Allah, this knowledgeable Muslim, this knowledgeable believer, when he decides to, to go astray, then the shaitan follows him, and he becomes from those that are confused and lost. وَلَوْ شِئْنَا لَرَفَعْنَاهُ بِهَا SubhanAllah. Allah says, if we had wanted, we would have elevated him by that knowledge we gave him. Because of those ayat, this person could have had a lot of elevation. In Allah's eyes, imagine, you know, there's elevation in our own eyes, right? Somebody has more respect because they're older or more knowledgeable or scholarly or whatever else. 
Allah says, we would have elevated him, meaning Allah would have given him higher status in his own estimation. That Allah would consider him noble. Just because of the ayat Allah himself gave him. But then he speaks of the tragedy and says, وَلَكِنَّهُ أَخْلَبَ إِلَى الْأَرْضِ However, this person, he inclined towards the earth. He was stuck to the earth. He remained directed towards the earth. His goals were lowly. This is the image being provided. His goals were worldly, pathetic. He just went over things that will give him immediate pleasure. That's all he wanted out of life. وَلَكِنَّهُ أَخْلَبَ إِلَى الْأَرْضِ and he just continued to follow his empty desires. And just a sl slight comment about empty desires, Allah Azza wa Jal put these desires inside of us as, as part of our fitrah. Right? Allah says Himself, These things, the love of women, the desire for women that Allah put in men, houses, horses, now horsepower, not horses, right? Cars. Investment strategies, you know, all of this stuff, Allah put the love of it inside of our hearts. But this person, out of that love, what did he choose to abandon? He chose to abandon the ayat of Allah. And so Allah gives his example. And he says, His example is like the example of a dog. Look at how ugly the example is. Again, this is not a kafir. Who's Allah talking about? A Muslim who knowingly becomes disobedient, becomes ghafir. Allah gives his example like the example of a dog. And he says, إِن تَحْمِلْ عَلَيْهِ يَلْهَثُ أَوْ If you beat this dog, if you put something on this dog, it's panting, it's drooling. And if you leave it alone, it's still sticking its tongue out, it's still drooling. Meaning this person becomes so pathetic, even as a human being, that whether they're hungry or not, they're thinking about food. Whether they have the desire or not, they're looking at shameless things. Whether they have to or not, they're using foul language. Meaning, you know, sometimes you do things because you really, you're overwhelmed by desire, and you're, you, know, you, want, you, ha you want to do it, and you say, I was overwhelmed, I was seduced into this act, or into this statement, right? Or I stole because I was hungry. But he becomes like a dog. Whether he needs to or not, he's pathetic. He just does his, fulfills his desires, and forces himself to fulfill his desires, even if he doesn't feel the need. This is the example of a nation that deliberately lies against our ayat. They know they're the truth, they still lie against them. And so Allah says, Narrate this to them clearly, in an eloquent fashion. Make this clear to the people, so they can think deeply about their own lives. يتفكرون, to think deeply. And it really refers to reflecting deeply on your own life experience. Your own thought, your own state when you wake up. Your own state when you go to sleep. سَاءَ مَثَلَ الْقَوْمِ مَثَلَ الْقَوْمِ What a horrible example. A nation, الَّذِي كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا The nation who lies deliberately against our miraculous signs. وَأَنفُسَهُمْ كَانُوا يَظْلِمُونَ And even in regards to their own selves, they were unjust. Who did they wrong? They didn't wrong Allah. They don't take anything away from the, the dominion of Allah. When we do something haram, or when we abandon an obligation of Allah, when we disobey Allah or disregard Allah, or not care for what Allah wants us to do in this life, or lose our purpose in life, then who are we wronging? Who's, who's being harmed? No one else except ourselves. So Allah says, مَنْ يَهْدِ اللَّهُ فَهُوَ الْمُهْتَدِي Whoever Allah would guide, then He is the one who has been guided. We come back to the same point. Allah gave us the prescription to stay awake. He gave us this book, إِنَّ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ يَهْدِي Without a doubt, this Qur'an, it guides. 
It guides. ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابِ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ خُدًا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Guidance. This is what Allah said. So Allah says, whoever Allah guides, He is the one who has been guided. One has to seek guidance from this book constantly, over and over again. It's called Qur'an for a reason. Qur'an means something read over and over again. You can't just know, I know about Qur'an. I know I've heard the ayat before, or I've read it cover to cover, or I read it when I was little. Or I know the meanings of this these lessons. I've already read tafsir. It's not like that. The word Qur'an demands that you read it over and over again. You seek guidance over and over again. It's not something that you can fulfill your relationship one time. وَمَنْ يُضْلِلْ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ And whoever he leads astray, then those are the ones that are the ultimate losers. The heart of this khutbah really is this warning against ghafla. And the last ayah I want to share with you in this context is probably the most important in this passage on this subject. Allah Azza wa Jal speaks of people that He has created and He has spread around the earth for hell, for Jahannam. He says, وَلَقَدْ ذَرَأْنَا لِجَهَنَّمَ كَثِيرًا مِنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ We have created and spread about the earth multitudes, huge volumes of people out of the jinn and the human being, مِنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ And then he says, why? Why are these people going to hell? You know, if you read the first part of the ayah, you would think Allah made them so they can go to hell. No, no, no. They did something that made them bound towards the hellfire. There's something wrong with them. And he says about them, لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ لَا يَفْقَهُونَ بِهَا They have hearts, but they don't understand anything with them. This ayah in and of itself is a puzzle. In and of itself. Because Allah says in Qur'an, عَقَلْ يَعْقِلُونَ They have intellects, but they don't understand with them. Here, that's not what he said. What did he say? لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ They have hearts. But they don't understand with them. You know the difference between a person who thinks just with their mind and a person who thinks with the mind but has a clean heart is very different. They see two different things. So what is this person who has a heart but can't think with it? It is a person who, in whose heart there is no remembrance of Allah, there is only rafla. They can't see what the believer sees. Now the kafir is very intelligent. He also has aql, right? You will have people that are professors and PhDs and intellectuals that are disbelievers. And you will have Muslims that are intellectuals also. So aql is not the problem. But they're not, the thinking, the thought is composed of two things. It, com- it composes what you have in your mind and what you have inside your heart. And just to illustrate this with a simple example before I conclude. You know, you have students, young kids, they see their friends smoking outside school and they want to smoke with them. They go to health class and they go to bio class and they learn smoking destroys your lungs. When they buy the pack from the store, on the side, what does it say? Surgeon General's warning. It's bad for it might lead to cancer. Is there anything missing in their knowledge? Is there anything missing here that this is bad? No. But there's a desire to want to be like your friends. There's a desire to look cool. And where the desires rest? In their hearts. So they have intellect, but what's the problem? The problem isn't here, the problem is in the heart, it's the desire. So Allah speaks about this and says, لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ لَا يَفْقَهُونَ بِهَا But then He gives us another puzzle, لَهُمْ أَعْيُنٌ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ بِهَا They have eyes but they don't see with them. Now what does this mean? They have eyes but they don't see? You see, if we become a people that hold on to this book with great strength, like Bani Israel was told, خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ بِهِ If we become like that, 
then when we see the world outside, and when we see the creation of Allah, and we see our own life, we see it through the lens of the ayat of Allah. It's like you're wearing these shades, and everything you see is filtered or tinted in the shades of Qur'an. And so, just to give you an illustration of that, Allah Azza says, إِن كُنْتُمْ فِي رَيْبٍ مِنَ الْبَعْثِ If you're confused, if you're in any doubt about being raised again, Allah tells us, if you are in doubt about being raised again, then reflect or think about the earth. And He says, اِهْتَزَّتْ وَرَبَتْ وَأَنْبَتَتْ مِنْ كُلِّ زَوْجٍ بَهِيجٍ The earth, it shakes, it rises a little bit, and it sprouts a plant from all sorts of plants, right? The earth shakes, when you, when you see a plant come out, you'll see little tiny pieces of soil move a little bit. Little tiny shake. And then the earth will come up just a little bit. And then a tiny little blade of grass or a plant will come out. Okay? So Allah draws this image for us in the Qur'an. And He says, if you're confused or you're in doubt about being raised again, think about a plant. When the earth shakes and it rises and a plant comes out. Because on the Day of Judgment, the earth will shake. And on the Day of Judgment, the earth will rise. And then on the Day of Judgment, instead of a plant coming out, we're going to come out. So every time a believer looks at a plant and a tree and a blade of grass outside, what are they reminded of? They're reminded of the Day of Resurrection. They have eyes with which they can see. But then there are people who don't have those eyes. So Allah says about them, لَهُمْ أَعْيُنٌ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ بِهَا They have eyes, but they don't see with them. They can't see with them. And then he, similarly he says, وَلَهُمْ آذَانٌ They have ears, لَا يَسْمَعُونَ بِهَا They don't hear from them. They hear somebody talking about the deen, even from a distance, they get annoyed. I don't want to be part of this conversation. Turn that stuff off. You know, put a song on or something. They have ears, but they can't tolerate hearing something that will soften their heart. This is a sad state for a human being. And after this, Allah Azza says, أُولَٰئِكَ كَالْأَنْعَامِ And this is what I will conclude with. These people are like cattle. These people are like cattle. Allah didn't say these people are like animals. دَابَّة Right? Or, or الدَّوَاب Or حَيَوَان He said, الْأَنْعَامِ Why? Because الْأَنْعَامِ are domesticated animals. Animals that human beings trained to not be wild anymore, right? And if you compare, uh, you know, cattle or domesticated farm animals to any other kind of animal, you will notice one big difference. Domesticated animals have slower senses. You know, a lizard or you know a rabbit or a bird—they're always looking around. They're very aware. Compare that with a cow; it's very unaware. What is the passage about? The ghafil. So he says about these people—they've turned into cattle. They just eat and they sleep. For the younger kids here, they eat and they sleep and they play Xbox and they watch some stuff on YouTube and they go to sleep. That's life. That's it. There's no more to it than that. And then he says, بَلْهُمْ أَضَلْ No, they're even worse off. They're even worse off. Why? Because the cattle is still a creation in fitrah. It still obeys Allah Azza Even though it's got dull senses, it's still in obedience to Allah. It still eats what Allah commanded it to eat. And so it goes where Allah commands it to go. But these people, not only do they have dulled senses, which makes them ghafil, they're in disobedience to Allah. And Allah ends, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْغَافِلُونَ Those are the people that are ghafil. They are the people that are unaware and heedless. So we have to take this prescription seriously. The recitation of Qur'an, the listening to dars of Qur'an,
You know, if you can find MP3s or CDs or lectures from anybody that gives talks in Tafsir of Quran, right, that you can just get, you know, make it a habit of listening to. This was actually a legacy of the Sahaba. Umar used to go around different circles and check if there are gurus of Quran going on among the Sahaba. Because this is a means by which Sahaba stay awake. This is a means by which they don't let ghafla sing in. So you will notice in yourself, the longer it's been since you read Quran and reflected on Quran or learned something about the Quran, the worse off you will feel inside your heart. You can notice in it this existence of ghafla. You can identify it for yourself and I can for myself. So we need to go back like oxygen to this book. And this month is Allah's great gift to us to turn that into a habit. Because Allah says, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ When you were about to recite Quran, what should you do? You should, be, you should seek Allah's refuge from the shaitan. In this month, Allah has given us the blessing of caging up the shaitan. So we can have an uninterrupted relationship with Quran and build that habit. So that when this month is over, we're already in this cycle. That we remain awake. And we don't wait till the next Ramadan to wake up again. And with this, inshallah ta'ala, I conclude. Barakallahu li wa lakum fi al-Qur'an al-Hakim. Wa nafani wa iyyakum bil-ayat wa bikul-Hakim.